appreciate your ministry this morning. Amen. We're going to have a child dedication here in just a few moments. I just want to preach along these lines this morning. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you'd open with me to Psalms 127 this morning. Psalms 127. There's a five-year-old girl by the name of Riley Braden. She was swimming at a hotel pool with a neighbor. And so she's there and this family comes down to this pool and the parents are there and with them, uh, they bring their toddler that was with them and then another little girl that was around 18 months old. And so Riley, this five-year-old, she's swimming in the shallow end and she's just having a good time playing. And uh, this 18-month-old starts coming around to where Riley is playing. And Riley's there and just turns around and this 18-month-old falls into the water. Riley turns around. She sees this 18-month-old sinking in the water And she looks around, she looks at the parents, Uh, they're sitting uh, at the pool, they're lounging, just relaxing. Uh, She recognizes in split seconds that that they're fully clothed, they're not there to get wet, they're not there to go swimming. Uh, Riley thinks in another split second to call out for help, uh, but she knows that there's not enough time. So this five-year-old dives down into the shallow water grabs the 18-month-old, picks her up, pulls her out of the water and says, I've got the baby, I've got the baby. The parents rush over, frantic, no doubt, gets the baby. Aside from coughing and crying, the baby was fine. The parents left the pool. And so think about this here. How did Riley manage to stay so composed? How could this five-year-old in split seconds probably save this 18-month-old's life? Well, the mom answers. She says, Riley's been taking swimming lessons since she was two years old. She feels very confident when it comes to water. And not only that, her father and I are former search and rescue divers. So the idea of saving someone from drowning is very familiar to her. Think about this. Something has been imparted into Riley. Something has been taught and shown in the scripture that we're going to examine this morning. We see this same idea at work in our scripture. Think about this. Riley, this five-year-old girl, had certain things that were familiar to her. Certain things that were put inside of her by her parents. Because how many know this morning, parents shape the lives of their children. Right? They, they have a, 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 a tremendous impartation in the development of their child. The, the scripture that we're going to look at tells us that children are like arrows. Arrows that are to be fashioned, arrows that are to be prepared to be launched into life. And what a child has been taught could not only save themselves one day, but it could save others. And maybe what a child's been taught can even help their parents one day. It could help you in your time 
of need. Let's look this morning at Psalms 127. Just look at three verses here, beginning in verse 3, if you'll follow along with me. It says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Verse 4, as arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Let's pray this morning and ask God to help us. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the blessing it is to know you. God, we thank you for the blessing of children. I'm asking right now this morning, you would challenge hearts, challenge lives. Uh, in Jesus' name, bring clarity, uh, bring revelation. Uh, we give you praise and glory. Amen. Amen. Let's look this morning at children as arrows. Let's look firstly at the family. God has set into place the idea of the home. It is a family. Psalms 127 and verse 1, if we were to read before our text, it says, Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So think about this. What was God's design for a family? What was God's intention or plan for the home? It is a father and a husband. It is a mother who is a wife. And it is children. That is the design for the home. Genesis 2, 24 through 25 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Here now is the beginning of the structure of the family. It is a man and it is a woman. Genesis 1 and verse 28 says, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Here's now step two, is that from marriage between a man and a wife comes the blessing of fruit or children. And we see this play out is Genesis 4, 1 through 2. It says, Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time, his brother Abel. So I want you to capture this in these three uh, scriptures. Here is God's design. Here is God's plan. Here is his purpose. He is the one who designed it. And it is upon God that we must build it. And it is upon his word that must be our foundation. Now we see at work today, there is an assault on the home. There is an assault on families because the enemy understands something. The enemy knows that if you break up the home, you mess up the plan. If you can start in the home, you can affect the future. You can affect the, the outcome. The enemy understands this. So we have all these different assaults on the family. We have the issue this morning of divorce. This is the breaking down of relationships. It used to be till death do us part. Now today it's simply until I'm not happy anymore. Until I don't feel it anymore. 
Right. And so this is what's at work. And, and you know, no doubt there are sometimes uh, 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 grounds for this, but this is something that the enemy has uh, uh, pushed forward. And it's something that's being accepted, not just in the world, but in the church as well. This is becoming the normal. The normal is you have two families. I have my dad's side and I have uh, my mom and, and her side. And this is becoming normal. I recently read an article that headlined, Six Reasons Divorce is Good for Your Children. Right before it was like, man, this messes kids up. Man, this really affects them. Man, they carry rejection. Is it my fault? They're dealing with all sorts of things. We know it's the kids. Parents can move on. It's the kids that suffer. But now, here's the agenda. Six reasons why divorce is actually good for your kids. We have the second assault of dual income homes. Now, I want you to understand something. If you have to, you have to. I understand that, absolutely. But this is not the design that God had intended. This was not the plan that God laid out. Amen. The curse of man, I said this last week, the curse of man deals with work and the curse of woman deals with childbirth. So think about this. There is a role for each to play. And the problem with dual income homes is that now it leaves the home abandoned. Before where a parent and a husband and a wife would together train and teach now is being left up to the system. You ever wonder why the schools have so much say and emphasis is because at some point along the line, little by little, the home has been neglected and the teaching is left up to the teachers. The teaching is left up to the after-school programs. The teaching is left up all these things. It's subtle and it's, it's a slow process, but the enemy has no problem with taking his time. And this is what we see playing out through this assault. We have this new issue being more and more accepted of same-sex parents. Amen. Uh, how confusing for a child. How confusing for a young boy to have two moms that are partners. How confusing for a young girl to have two dads uh, that are partners. This is not the design that God implemented We have the issue of abandonment altogether. It is not uncommon for grandparents to be raising their grandchildren. This has become the norm. And so here, this is an assault on the family. This is an assault on the home. And abandonment puts into a child rejection and all sorts of things that they're going to have to deal with fatherless homes. So think about this. These are all counter to the development of a child. These are not of God. And now, think about this, because of these assaults, you will begin to now build in vain. 
Right? Verse uh, uh, 1 of Psalms 127, this is the message translation, says, If God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. If we're not following God's pattern, Amen. God's idea. I know it's 2015 and I know the Bible's thousands of years old, but people haven't changed. And this is God's pattern. This is God's design. And if you're not going to build on God, if you're not going to build, you're going to miss the blessing of God. And you're building in vain. Because the plan of God is the only way that works best. Right? God's design is the way that works best. One man, one woman, God involved, married legally by the state. Amen. Pastor, we're married in God's eyes. Right? We need to have God at work. Now, from the plan comes the blessing. Amen. Our scripture makes it very clear that children, children are a blessing. Psalms 127 and verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Heritage. This has to do with inheritance. Amen. Every single one of us, as we've gotten saved, we have now become heirs to the inheritance that was given to Abraham. We are now children and heirs to the promise of blessing. And so we understand that, but we have to see it in the context of children. Right, we say, uh, and if I was to say all that we have is from God, you would agree. Salvation is uh, by grace, the Bible says, it is a gift. We understand finances. It all belongs to God and he gives us what we have. It is a gift. We understand that talents that we may have and abilities and giftings, they are gifts from God and our children are a gift. Our children are blessings from God. See, many parents only see their children more as liabilities than a blessing. Right? Great. Now I have to keep an eye on them. Great. Now we have to buy them stuff. Now I have to deal with them. Now fill in the blank. Because people don't see their children as God sees it. It is a blessing. He has entrusted us as stewards over them. When my wife told, that, told me that she was pregnant with our son, I immediately got stressed out. I immediately think, oh, I got to get a bigger apartment. Right? How could you let this happen? Why? I didn't see the blessing. I missed the point that God was entrusting me with something precious. That he was placing into my hands something of value. I didn't see it. I missed the reward. 
Children are a blessing. It is the result of marriage. And God instills in this uh, arena a special bond. uh, And there is something unique that is released in this atmosphere that is according to his plan. This is the family. Let's look secondly then at Eros. Our text gives us this interesting imagery and it calls children, they are like arrows. Psalms 127 and verse 4 says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. So verse 3 tells us very plainly that children are a blessing. That children are an inheritance. And verse 4 says that our children, they're like arrows. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for you and I this morning? I think to understand this idea that's being presented is we have to understand arrows. In history, arrows were absolutely a precious, precious weapon. Arrows were not something that was to be wasted. Why? Because it took valuable time to create them. 2 Kings 13, 18 through 19 says, Then he said, Take the arrows. And the king took them. Elisha told him, Strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. Verse 19, The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated the enemy and completely destroyed it. But now you will only defeat them three Times. Think about this. Why did he strike only twice? Why? Because he's firing three valuable things. uh, Here the prophet's asking him to shoot out, uh, strike the ground. Uh, He has no idea why, but these are precious. And he could only part with three. And the prophet tells him, you should have struck six times. But he knows the value. It was actually an investment. It was something precious that he was having to let go of. He did not want to waste the arrows. He didn't want to destroy them. They were too valuable. He understood the cost that was involved in what the prophet was asking of him. Arrows were formed from reeds. These were green Uh, uh, limbs and so here they were strips of wood and they were soaked uh, and then they were placed between two large boards uh, to get them strengthened uh, and straightened and they would harden and dry uh, in this format then from there they could be fashioned they could be balanced uh, they would be worked on and this took time uh, this took patience it was an investment Arrows, it was a process. Why? Because you wanted them effective in battle. Right? Nobody wants uh, to own a weapon, a gun or whatever, and in the moment of crisis, have it not work. That'd be very bad. Right? So here, these arrows, they were valuable. And they were meant to be effective in battle. So I want you to hold on to that imagery as we move forward. Think about this. How do we get babies? Not that way. and Not from the stork. How do we get babies is they come to us vulnerable and dependent. 
They can't take care of themselves. A baby doesn't come from the womb and say, all right, take off, junior. They come dependent, vulnerable, needy. Why? So that we can fashion them. So that we can begin to form them. They come to us like a tender green reed. The beginning of an arrow. Something that can be formed. Something that can be moldable. So it is up to the parent. Think about this. Like the arrow. It is up to the parents to form to correct, to work on them. It is up to the parent to balance their children, not balance, but give them a balanced perspective on life. It is up to the parent to teach them, to instruct them, to show them the way they ought to go. Proverbs 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. This word train, it means to instruct. It means to give them discernment. That word discern means to judge between, to sort. They have to be able to problem solve. You have to aim them in the right way. And like an arrow, our scripture says, you propel them into life. You fire them into adulthood in the way they should go. And what is that way? The ways of God. The understanding of the word of God. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You want your kids to make it in life? Teach them how to read this. Teach them how to take and learn from this. Because the Bible says it'll be a light on our path. Parent, this morning, this dedication we're going to do is just step one. But from here, you're going to show them the way that they should go. You're going to teach them things that are going to stick with them for the rest of their life. Let's look here at Jesus and his childhood. Luke 2, 21 through 22. says, on the eighth day... When it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name that the angel had given him before he had been conceived. Verse 22, when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. They presented Jesus Here's Mary and Joseph. They had a conviction that they were going to raise Jesus right. And they take Jesus to church and they uh, uh, present him. This means, this word present means to entrust. They were entrusting their child to God to give back, to dedicate. Amen. It's important to understand this morning, this is not where Jesus was baptized. Amen. 
We do not believe in infant baptism because it's not in the Bible. Here, when Jesus is an infant, he is dedicated, presented to God. When was he baptized? When he was 30 years old by John the Baptist. It was a conscious decision. Amen. So there's that. That's a freebie for you this morning. From there, right, they start Jesus' life in church. Right? Yeah, you have some folks, and it's, well, it's fine, their preference. Eight days after Jesus was born, he was in church. Some folks think they've got to take a three-month leave from church when they have a baby. Maternity leave, Lord. Right? Let's look at Luke 2, 41 through 42. It says, every year, his parents went from Jerusalem, or went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. Now, I want you to understand, it was necessary in the Jewish custom that they go to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. And here are two parents that had a conviction. I mean, there was a reason why Mary and Joseph were chosen as God's representatives to be parents for Jesus. They had convictions. And they had a conviction that we are going to do what's right. Not just because he was Jesus. They did this with all their children. And they were imparting something. And every year, they said, we will be where we need to be. Not only that, Luke 4, 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. I want you to capture this. Joseph and Mary, parents of Jesus, they dedicated him. They annually went to Jerusalem for the Passover. And it was their custom that every Sunday they were going to be in church. Why? Because they knew we have to show him what's important. We have to show him what comes first. What comes first in our lives? God should. God ought to be the first thing, first priority. And you're showing your children that. They were entrusted with the task of shaping Jesus. This wasn't taken lightly. They showed their children what was important. God is. God is important. Let's close then. Let's look at the defense. See, arrows not only took time, in fashioning them, they, they also fulfilled a purpose in warfare. Arrows were meant to kill the enemy. That's the point of them. Right? You want an effective arrow. Anybody do any hunting? Anybody or know anyone who does some bow hunting? Right? right? You, want, you want that arrow balanced. You want that arrow going where you're, where you're aiming for it to go. Right? This is very important. And so here, uh, an arrow was meant to fulfill a purpose. 2 Kings 9.24 And Jehu drew a bow with his full strength and smote Jehoram between his arms. And the arrow went out at his heart and he sunk down in his chariot. That's an effective weapon. Amen. He pulls the arrow, aims. Right? The Bible's graphic. Comes right out of his heart and he defeats the enemy. 1 Kings twenty-two thirty-four. 34. Now a certain man drew his bow at random 
and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to the driver, turn this chariot around, take me out of battle, for I am wounded. Arrows were meant to cause damage. So think about this. The idea in the text is children as arrows. Your children, your infant, your, uh, 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 your baby, your toddler, they're cute right now, but what about as teenagers, as adults, what kind of arrow are they going to be? Will they be an arrow for you or against you? Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. What will you teach your children? What are you going to put into them? How, what are you going to show them is important? What in life matters? What is the greatest concern of all life? You're going to show them that. Is it money? Is it career? Is it relationships? Is it sports? Is it hobbies? Is it television? Is it movies? Right? Those things are not evil, but what comes first? You're going to show them that. See, these babies, think about this. These babies will one day potentially become your defense. That's something we, don't, we hold them can't imagine them being older. Can't imagine them fighting things for you. But one day they can become your defense. I uh, got this text message yesterday. I want to share it with you. Absolutely wonderful and powerful. A pastor friend tell me, uh, sent me this text. He said, when people ask me why I push my kids to get involved in ministry... I'll just forward them this text message I got from my son during outreach today. Now, I want you to understand what I'm going to read to you. These children are between 11 and 15 years old. These aren't even adult children yet. Look at what happened on their outreach. His son texted him, 16 people saved so far, one guy healed of stomach pain. Dad, you guys rock. Then he said, uh, our brother... Uh, just said, uh, he just said that they prayed with a guy with stomach cancer and his pain went away. He said, we were praying with the lady and James asked her if she had pain. She said, yeah, she had back pain. So Chris picked up her feet and one was a half inch shorter and all the young guys prayed for her. Her leg grew out before our eyes. She said all the pain was gone. She was very excited and all in all, 27 were saved it was awesome. 11 to 15 years old, laying hands, uh, amen, on the sick. They're being saved. Why? Because someone showed them what was important. That's powerful this morning. Well, what a tremendous, tremendous report. Amen. So it continues, says, they just got home telling me about speaking in tongues and laying hands in the mall. This is what they're doing. 11 and 15 years old. Then they went to Walmart uh, and they stopped before they went into witness and they pled the blood of Jesus 
on Walmart and then went in to begin to evangelize. Praise God that, oh man, that someone's showing that. That gets me excited this morning because I know the potential of every young person. Amen. They could do something radical for God and a parent can give their children a fighting chance. Psalms 127 and verse 5. So we bring this to a close. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gates. The strategies at the gates, these are the gates of demonic assaults. These are strategies from the enemy. And here we see enemies at the gates. In other words, your children will one day become a defense with you in their maturity. Your children will one day be able to fight alongside you in spiritual battles. Why? Because they are fashioned arrows that want to stand behind you. What a blessing that is. You can give your children a fighting chance in salvation simply by putting, amen, an example into their lives. This makes me think of my wife's parents. They're pastors. They've pastored many years now. They've pioneered churches along the Southwest, were overseas missionaries for 12 years in Africa. And they trained up their daughter and their son in the ways of God, fashioned arrows that today they can lean on. Amen. Uh, 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 my wife, uh, being married, right, we're, we're in the ministry. Her brother is in the ministry. Her parents are in the ministry, pastoring. And her parents will time to time text me and my wife and, and Pastor Tim and say, pray for us. We're going into revival or we're dealing with this or we have a special outreach. Uh, and, and think about this. Their children are arrows of defense. Oh, that's wonderful. What a blessing that that is. Working in offense against the enemy. I think of my family. Right? I have uh, uh, three, three sisters, two brothers. And today, praise God, we're all saved and married with our own children. But it was not always like that for many years. We all had to come to a decision point and make salvation our own. But now, think about this. My father has six arrows. Those six arrows are married and they're all on fire for God. So he has 12 arrows that he can, that he can hold on to. That's wonderful this morning. Arrows that he can lean on. I remember my brother going through kidney failure and the arrows joining together to contend for a miracle, to contend for a breakthrough. That's the beauty of what I'm talking about. And you have the arrows of new converts. Amen. This goes beyond our own children. Now the spiritual sons and daughters. When you invest into a new convert, you are investing into a future arrow. And I think of a man that I love and respect with all my heart, Pastor Artie Aragon, a wonderful help to me and my wife in Santa Fe. And I think of Pastor Aragon, and he always is always so grateful to the Gallup congregation because there are men and women, pillars in that church that invested into him 
when he was a brand new convert. And today he is an arrow that is useful. An arrow that recently, uh, uh, this, within this last year, did a, a wonderful revival in Gallup. And I'm sure when he walked in, he wasn't nothing amazing. But today, oh, an arrow of purpose. An arrow that is now investing back into those who invested into him. What a powerful, powerful cycle we have at work. Today, you can invest and future you can receive. See, this is the real value of kingdom purpose. The arrows you're investing into now could one day impact you, could one day impact others for Christ. These are arrows of defense, arrows against the enemy's strategies at the gates. Amen. Let's have every head bowed in this place, every eye closed. Very quickly, you're here in this place. Maybe your heart is not right with God. You're here this morning and your sins are not forgiven. You don't have an assurance that you would make heaven your home. You don't have a real living relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that can change this morning. Through a simple prayer, in a miracle of a moment, God can meet with you this morning and give you a brand new heart, a brand new life. Amen. All it takes is a simple prayer. And I wonder in this place, how many would there be? Your heart's not right with God. Your sins, they're not forgiven. But you want to get your heart right this morning. You'd lift your hand high where I can see it. Amen. Left to right, front to back. Uh, man, woman, boy or girl. Quickly, you'd lift your hand. God is in this place. He loves you. He cares about you. Uh, amen. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You would respond to that call this morning. Quickly, high where I can see it. Uh, unsaved or backslidden. This isn't something you want to put off. This isn't something for tomorrow because tomorrow's not promised. Are you ready? Should you stand before God today? Are you ready? If you can't answer that with certainty, if you can't answer that with assurance and confidence, today's your day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Quickly, high where I can see it. Maybe you're backslidden in this place. One time you knew the love of God. Backslider, come home. Come home. I want you to know God is not angry with you. God is not upset at you. He loves you. And in this moment right now, He's given you an opportunity for salvation. He's given you an opportunity in His grace and love. He's right now knocking on the door of your heart. If you would respond, He'll meet with you back. So He'll get, give you a brand new start. You can pick up again. Quickly, you'd lift your hand high where I can see it. Unsaved or backslidden. How many would there be in the crowd this size? Amen. God is, God is here. He's ready to meet with you. If you'll just receive. Quickly, high where I can see it. Amen. Praise God. Speaking to Christians then. Speaking to parents first. Amen. You are going to show your children what's important. Through your example, are you living the same way at church as you do at home? What are you imparting into them? What are you showing them is important? What are you showing them is priority? Amen. That's up to you. That's completely up to you. But so many times we slack and we, we uh, you know, allow carnal things. And, and then we wonder why they don't want to live for God. Amen. Give them the fighting chance. The fighting chance that by showing them. Amen. And God will bless it. He says they'll not depart from it. Amen. Like I said, my parents showed us a pattern. They showed us through example. But we still had to make a decision. But I can say today. 
that they are the real deal, that they were the real deal, and that they wanted the best for us. And God blessed that. God bless that. As we got into our teenage years, my parents didn't give us an option. You want to come to church today? No, no. You're in my house. You're going to come to church because that's what's important. And that spoke volumes into my heart. That spoke volumes. Of course, I hated it when I was backslidden and rebellious and doing my own thing. But I want to tell you, that made impact to where I am today. God did a miracle. God used that. Amen. If you'll make stands, if you'll stand for God, he'll bless it. Amen. And then speaking, maybe your children are full grown, grown up out of the house. You still have something to impart. What arrows could you invest in today? What, what, what potential, amen, young man could be a pastor one day? What potential young lady could be a pastor's wife one day? An evangelist, a missionary. Oh, if we would just invest, amen, into those arrows of new converts. Hallelujah. We're just going to take just a few minutes. We're going to open these altars, amen. If God has spoken to you or dealt with you in one area or another, amen, these altars are open. And we'll move into the prayer, amen, and dedication, amen. But I want to take just a few moments, give you that opportunity, amen, to lay some things before God. You're here, hey, I'm not married, I don't, have, I don't have kids. You're saved, you love God, you can still invest into arrows. You have something to impart, amen. Hallelujah. As we sing that song this morning. Hallelujah. If we'll stand in the audience, amen, if you'll sing out with us. The man. Oh, Father God, I worship you, Jesus. God, we thank you. You are wonderful. God, work in parents, Lord. Give us a conviction to raise our children right. Oh, Lord, you are priority in our hearts and in our lives. We are grateful for salvation. Let us give our reasonable service unto you, Father God, as a token of gratitude and appreciation. Lord, let us value what you have entrusted into our hands. God, that we would impart godliness, righteousness, holiness into our children.
Hallelujah. We can stand.